Hello and welcome to a new episode, brand new episode of Third Degree Burn. We have a limited crew today. I have Kirk Greenfield. Hello. And John Hyatt. Hey, hey. Uh, the rest of our guys are busy uh, getting ready for Halloween. And this is kind of a, <laughs> a piggyback to our Werewolf by Night coverage, which we released about a week ago on our Cocktails and Comics um, show. And so we thought, well, let's cover... Spoilers, spoilers. If you haven't already seen that, stop right now and go watch it because we're going to spoil something major for you in the discussion of this, true. this show. True. I want to put that up front. Yep. Okay, Just, you've been yeah. warned. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, so we thought... Again, spoilers. But in that in that show, they introduce Man Thing into the MCU. So we thought, well, let's cover John Byrne's version of Man Thing from Marvel Team Up number sixty eight, which is Spider Man and Man Thing, and that's what we're going to cover tonight. So it's a kind of a little bonus Halloween episode as a kind of a bookend to our coverage of the Werewolf by Night standalone film. And we were just talking off off mic uh, about, and I'll we'll go around the, the, the group here, uh, of ex- our experience with Man-Thing. And Kirk, you said you never really read any of the books. And I think, John, you said the same. I'm not sure what time period it came out, but if, if it was on the shelf, while I was in college, which would have been the late 70s, I don't think I picked it up. I may have picked one up and flipped through it and, and got the gist of the character, but it had no appeal to me, um, especially because there seemed to be one over at D.C. as well. So, you know, for whatever it was worth, it didn't didn't float my boat. John? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I remember Manthe Comics, I think, late 70s, early early 80s. Um, I didn't um, get too much into it. And same with Swamp Thing over on the Distinguished Competition. <laughs> um, you know, it just... The, 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 the stories weren't enough to keep my interest, I guess. I don't know. But uh, but the occasional appearance of them was fine for me. So I, I, I could, you know, I enjoyed the occasional um, guest star or whatever here and there. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he would pop up... Hey, him. I, I was about the same. I think I was aware of him because as a, you know, as I think I've stated, I didn't really collect comics as a kid. I would read them here and there, but I wasn't collecting. And I was aware of Man Thing and Swamp Thing, but it wasn't until later that I've really, which is odd because I've stuck, I've been collecting um, when I find them, you know, on the cheap. So I've been trying to build my uh, library of them, but I haven't sat down and read them. So. I'm familiar with him, but I'm, I've got a real blind spot for his actual stories. Um, and I think, unlike Swamp Thing, who had an inner monologue and he had thoughts, and he had, he was obviously, he was intelligent. Man Thing is more of a, he is more of an animal or a, like a force of nature or something that, Considering the type type of character he is, it's amazing that he his comic ran as long as it did because 
everybody has to react to him. Right. He's almost a guest star in his own book because he right. doesn't can't doesn't really have any agency of his own. He reacts to everybody else, and everybody reacts to him. Uh, you know, I know Steve no, Gerber it, wrote a big chunk of the first, either the first or the second series. As I think more about this, and I've probably said this before and forgotten, I think I was exposed to it uh, in cave in um, what was it, Astonishing Tales number twelve or thirteen, where they reprinted about six or eight pages of of something from Savage Tales number one that introduced the man thing. I think that's that's my sum total of, of my knowledge of him. That was from about 72. Anyway, yeah, he was... I, I'd forgotten about that. I guess I shared that in an earlier podcast, and all of a sudden the light bulb went on. It's like, oh, wait a minute, I have seen him somewhere. <laughs> well, he would show up in, like, Dracula, like, the Hulk, like... Uh, obviously the Planet of the Apes, but he would have his black and white, like magazine-sized stories that yeah. were a little more mature than. I don't think they had the comic code on them. Uh, they were trying see to in the, compete with Warren, right? Warren's black. And I white think so. One. I think they yeah. were, and it was you know once once the seventies said, oh, you can do werewolves and vampires and zombies and things like that. Marvel just said, oh, let's let's. Flood yeah. the market with it, so he's part of that kind of monster, monster craze. craze, monster craze from the early seventies till probably very early eighties. Um, and he, you know, he doesn't certainly have the, you know, there is no, there's no Alan Moore writing Man Thing to give it a little prestige, you know. So his stories are probably mostly forgotten, except for his occasional guest star um but i thought this book was uh interesting i thought you know we're covering one it's man thing and it is kind of a halloween story it's kind of a got some spooky elements to it um yeah and yeah, the artwork's so great i just reread it i say reread it i read it more carefully for the first time this evening um knowing that we were going to be talking about it and I almost subjected and said, no, it doesn't. And then suddenly I realized, oh, oh, yes, it does. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, this is the... You know, I, think, uh... I think part of the thing that bothers me is, as you say, man thinks a guest star in his own book. It's because he doesn't say anything, he doesn't think anything. But everybody around him has to say, oh, I feel so bad for him. I'm having yeah. waves of anguish. Uh, and it's you know, here, Spider-Man or Peter Parker say that sort of thing to be an, an emotional conduit or a, a, a what's the word that i want an empath for feelings coming off from him that's not my spider-man and i think that's part of why i don't you know i grow very tired of this sort of a scenario of this tragic figure um very quickly you know what i'm saying it's well, like it's it's a one-note story for me but I admit I have not read many of them, so I, I'm making an assumption that that he's trapped in this um, tragic mode uh, throughout. Am I yeah, wrong? He, no, he is. I, I I thumbed through my so I've got the Man Thing omnibus, so I thumbed through that 
to look at some of the issues that this issue references. And it's it's some kind of typical Steve Gerber kind of crazy out there um, uh, stories to to a point that when he when he ends his run, I think with issue twenty two or twenty three, he the last spoilers for forty year old book. He he ends the issue by talking to he breaks the fourth wall and talks to the the audience and his editor at that point, Len Wayne, saying he was visited by some of the characters he created in the book and he has he can't he can't continue writing the book anymore, so he has to leave. Very weird. Very weird stuff. <laughs> um, well. Gerber was known for weird stuff. Yeah, I think and this, I think it's it's true to his because because um, he created Howard the Duck, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he was a big part Howard the Duck, Omega the Unknown. Yeah, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, Man Thing. Yeah. Uh, I was looking up Man Thing had a twenty-two issue series in seventy-four, and then an eleven issue series in seventy, uh, starting in seventy-nine. And then in 97, it was, I think it was like three issues. <laughs> yeah, I've read <laughs> then, that one. That one's kind of, uh, so, I think that one is, is somehow Ted Salas has been separated. And he's no longer uh, Man-Thing. He's reverted to human. But at one point, he has to become Man-Thing again to save the nexus of the universe or whatever. Yeah, he's kind of the guardian. <laughs> keep the balance. Yeah, it's typical. He has to go back to being Man-Thing so, again. But Yeah, um, for me, Man-Thing was kind of like Hulk. Hulk was kind of one note too i mean it was just here and there i i can there were enough interesting stories here and there but to follow this a series or the character i just eh. but but this issue i i enjoyed I, and i'm sure it's because of the artwork and the writing by chris claremont it was just very interesting and took us through an interesting uh thing but i want i wasn't familiar with the characters and, and i um, just kind of glance at the last page of the first series and saw that the wizard was part of that, um, or the sorcerer uh, was he, part of that first he, series. So yeah, yeah, when I was th thumbing through the issues, he, those two characters play a big part in the uh, his original out. his yeah in in the in the in his original story. So where and does a, this story fall in relation to those other series? Well, did, that did the first one series that happened already. It had already ended because Spider-Man uh, references him kind of going crazy in Atlanta, and that was the end of that run. So this mm -hmm. is probably between Volume One and that eleven um, issue run that came back later. Because you said that was seventy-nine, and this yep. book is seventy-eight. So this is in between his two runs. And this is definitely before the uh, appearance in X Men 144, which you or yeah 144, which you asked about, Kurt. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the only place that I've ever run into uh, despair. Which I got to tell you, when I I'm really not very high on that book. I've got to tell you, it was a it was a disappointment because I thought I had just subscribed to the X Men being written slash drawn by John Byrne. And I got one issue that showed up. <laughs> uh, and, and then all of a sudden, this thing showed up. And I'm like, what? Oh, please tell me it's a filler issue. Well, it wasn't. And so <laughs> I thought the name Despair 
you know, it's a little cute, but it's a little hokey. And, you know, as a one-issue filler, okay, I could tolerate it, but it's like Burn didn't come back. So they got my money. <laughs> That'll well, this, this issue introduces Despair, which I was surprised. The way he comes in, he seemed like he'd already been established, but apparently this is his first appearance. Oh, really? I didn't know. Yeah, that. and I knew him from Ohatmu. You know, because I used to read a hot meal cover to cover. So then you would run into run into characters that you knew about, but you hadn't read in a book. And he's like, I don't think he's anyone's, you know, foil or anything. He's like Nightmare or yeah. one of those other type characters that shows up every once in a while. Um, An interchangeable demon or spirit. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of like his design. His, his designs really very lends itself very much to Halloween. I like his design too. I think it's really cool. Yeah. All right, you guys want to get into the book? I've got yeah, my synopsis right here, which awesome. I stole from the interweb, but <laughs> hey, I was lazy. Okay. Uh, Work smarter, not harder. Why should we <laughs> read exactly. yeah, the book? Yeah. Done so well already. All right, as we said, this is Marvel Team Up number 68. Uh, had a cover price of 35 cents. Our writer is Cliff Claremont. Our artist is John Byrne. Our inker is Bob Wycheck. Colorist is Phil Rachelson. Letterer is Bruce Patterson. Our cover art is George Perez and Terry Austin. Uh, our editor is Archie Goodwin, and editor in chief is Jim Shooter. Uh, release date on this was January 24th, 1978, with a cover date of April 1978. 32 pages, 17 of them are story. Uh, this is reprinted in Marvel Tales, starring, num uh, starring Spider-Man number 204, Essential Man-Thing Volume 2, Essential Marvel Team-Up Volume 3, this is a weird one, Doctor Strange, Lords of Fear, trade paperback, and of course in the Man-Thing Omnibus. Uh, our other burn books this month were Iron Man 109, where he was a cover penciler with Terry Austin, Power Man Iron Fist number 50, where he was penciler, and Spectacular Spider-Man cover, he was penciler with Joseph Rubenstein inking. Our story is called Measure of a Man. When Peter Parker takes Mary Jane out on a date to a local circus, the two find that the Man-Thing is one of the exhibits on display in the circus. When Parker tries to use his press credentials to inquire about the bog monster, the owner of the circus kicks him out and Mary Jane. Feeling sorry for the Man-Thing, Peter returns to Spider-Man and breaks Man-Thing free with the help of the circus security guard, who is a big Spider-Man fan. With the help of Kurt Connors' pilot Nina, Spider-Man arranges to travel back to Florida to return the Man-Thing to his swamp. Along the way, the plane experiences an explosion and crashes. Only the quick thinking of Spider-Man saves them from permanent damage. Leaving Nina and her co-pilot behind to be for, to get help, he follows the Man-Thing, hoping the revitalized bog monster will bring him to civilization. Instead, Spider-Man finds a strange cabin where Dockham and Jennifer Kale have been tied up. This is really a disguised spire erected by the demon named Despair who hopes to plunge the universe into a state of deep despair. 
When the man-thing cannot help but burst into flames due to its fear of despair, Parker tr Peter tries to fight off the demon but succumbs to its attack, which causes him to become a sobbing coward. Eventually, Spider-Man gets over his fear and in a fit of rage beats despair into unconsciousness until he is stopped by Kale and Dockham. The two mystics destroy Despair's tower and return to their mystical realm with Despair. With the memories fleeting in his mind, Spider-Man wonders if the whole experience was only a dream or if it really happened. The end. That was a not a very good synopsis. I should have written my own. <laughs> that was a rather quick synopsis. <laughs> it was. It was quick. It jumped over a lot of stuff. But there was a lot of flashback in this. explanation for why the plane blows up or crashes? I don't think so. I think it just. Uh, we'll have to look at. Let's look at that page because I, I was wondering too, and I thought, well, maybe it hit the spire. Thinking back on it, I don't know. Um, something was weird. I wonder if they dropped something or it got added to dough. Yeah. Well, some he does say it's page ten. Uh, Nina. Nina asks her co-pilot what hit them, and he says, I don't know, but one engine's gone and a good chunk of the wing will it, with it. Uh, so I think whoever said it might have hit the spire is probably a pretty good idea. Yeah, it might have hit that tower. I don't guess. know what, nothing else is, you know, it's not like somebody attacked them. Yeah, I mean, looking at the panel, I mean, there's nothing really there. It's just all of a sudden the wing explodes. Yeah. Shazak! <laughs> I would say I read this. I read this in my omnibus, and then I read it digitally, and and I've noticed this a lot of with omni, with the omnibuses, omnibuy, that when they enlarge them and they reprint them, they lose a little bit of the detail. The yeah. the digital copy, which is a scan of the actual book, is so much nicer than what's in the really? omnibus. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's recolored, but you lose a lot of Burns sharpness and this is some, some really, um, some really beautiful work. I mean, it's, it's early burn. So it hasn't quite got the burn look. He's still kind of doing the house style, mm -hmm. but uh, I love the way he draws a man thing. He really draws him. You can kind of see shades of Sasquatch in there with the oversized yeah. arms and the shorter legs. Yes. Um, the hair on his arms, yeah. Yep, yeah, the hair on his arms, the clawed hands. Um, and especially on the front cover, Spider-Man really pops because he's he's in a little web boat kind of pontooning through the, <laughs> through the now, where swamp. Where have I seen that before? Have I seen him paddle on a boat or something through the swamp before? Later I, in the issue. <laughs> No, uh, I, it just seems to me like I've seen that image in another adventure. I, Maybe it was the, the probably uh, with the lizard. Kirk Connors lizard. Yeah, I bet. I I don't know. It just I kept trying to figure out if I've seen that image in this book and I couldn't find it. Which is the cover is a little deceiving because the way it's drawn, Spider-Man is coming <laughs> coming onto the the or coming across the man thing. Not mm -hmm. in the book. They were together the whole time. But we get Spider-Man's back to us in a brilliant, bright red and blue against the 
dark greens and browns uh, and the kind of dark blues of the swamp. So yeah. Spider-Man, really, your eyes drawn right to him, and then you see Man-Thing kind of reaching out to him. Yeah, he pops really well. Yeah. And also, as you get into the, the splash page, it mm-hmm. almost seems like a continuation. And within a couple of panels here, it's clearly misdirection. They're, they're, you're being thrown into the middle of a story, but then you discover, no, this is actually sort of a flashback. It's, it's, it's not really the middle of the story. or Well, it's, it is. it's... You think he's... You're right. You think it's a continuation of the cover, but really a man thing is in some kind of a big acrylic cage that's got mm-hmm. kind of a swamp environment in it. And he, and he plops up against the, uh, the, the glass or the acrylic. And so because spider, this is, uh, not a flashback, but he flashes back to why he's there as to him and, uh, Mary Jane were at the circus. They run across the man thing. And that's when Peter remarks that, he he ran into him in issues um, 19 through 22, which is the end of the series, his first mm-hmm. run, back in Atlanta when uh, Man-Thing was kind of gone crazy going through Atlanta. But, um, and then it, we recount, you know, page three, he runs into the uh, Mr. Jardin, who is the circus owner, and you know, telling him he needs to, uh, you know, how'd you get the, how'd you get man thing? You need to, you know, he's, he's a sentient being. You need to let him go. You can't just leave him. But he gets some of his, um, tough guys that kind of threaten him and basically kick him out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's trying to try to wait around like I'm with the bugle. I can put yeah. you under or something. And <laughs> uh, that doesn't do anything. Nobody drives, uh, roustabouts from the carnival mm-hmm. like Byrne does. They're always muscular. They're always threatening. Um, it, it may be a, a trope, but he does it so well. <laughs> I like his use of it's. It's doesn't use it a lot, but he uses some zipatone in on Spider-Man's face on the second page. Yeah, his, ah, his, and right. you see a, kind of a highlight on the edge of his mask, and then he does it again to cut, to do a shadow on the back of Spider-Man's. Um, Ahead when he's looking down at the man thing, and then he's rousted by kind of a security guard who was like, "Oh, he's, I'm a big fan." He then the security <laughs> guard recounts how the uh, the the circus owner captured man thing, and I looked and I couldn't find this. Feels like this is being told as it happening in another issue, but I don't couldn't find another issue this happened in. So I think that's just a backstory that we don't know about. Um, I think it's just the off-panel stuff that happened after yeah. Manson 22. Exactly. Or, that you know, could have here. Yeah, because otherwise they would have had a the editor would have had a note in a box somewhere. You know, seen that's what I thought, and I couldn't find yeah. any any editor's notes. But um, now, does this security guard look familiar to you? I mean, no. he's he's an interesting character, but it's particularly when he strides out of the story when he quits on page seven. Um, between the ponytail and the beard and his uh, determination, I swear that's somebody from the bullpen, but I can't tell you who it is. <laughs> well, I mean, it almost, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it almost looks like 
possibly Claremont, because he's always had a goatee, hadn't he, or a beard? Um, I don't know. I know. I I do know in the his main book, Man Thing's main book, there's a character, a recurring character in there that has to be Roy Thomas. He's drawn to look exactly like him. So, <laughs> um, but you know, you mentioned that uh, earlier, Tim, that this was. Burns early work and yeah you know you can really it, it's not as defined it, it's not clear on all of the panels to see that it is his although on page two that one where Peter and Mary Jane are walking that's definitely to me a, a classic burn pose mm -hmm. uh, of them I've seen that style several times but when you look at Mary Jane on page three in the center that definitely does not look like a uh, John Byrne face to it's me, not. so uh, probably more like Bob Wyatchek, which is the inker. So yeah, it's, but you do see some of the elements of his, definitely of his uh, compositions and like when the uh, guard comes in with a flashlight, you know that that's such a a great way to bring that panel out. So yeah, and and, and yeah, Kirk, you're right, man. Those those. Um, Carney thugs are definitely uh, <laughs> the style that he puts them in. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty beefed up. Threatening, but yeah, yeah. very threatening. Kind of like in uh, X Men, what was it, one thirteen? All those Carney, Carney folks trying to intimidate the Beast. <laughs> yep. And he draws Spider Man a little uh, thicker, muscular than he would later when he was do Spider Man. He would. Uh, do the same approach he did with Reed Richards. How I, when he took over the FF, he made Richards more lean and more thin instead yeah. of being, you know, Kirby muscled. And so this, again, I think that's just kind of house style that, you know, house doing, style. Yeah, doing. But even that, the there's so much detail. You know, if anybody ever says Byrne Devis do, doesn't do backgrounds, take a look at this book. He's packing so much into the backgrounds, um, you know, the, the, gives the you a real one. sense of location. Yeah. Uh, page four, uh, not four, 10, when they're flying over the, I guess those are the Everglades. He's got this great swampy look below him. Um, mm -hmm. and then when the plane, the engine, whatever they hit, whatever happens to it, when it disintegrates with a big shracks, uh, and it goes down, and then especially when they crash, middle panel, bottom of page ten, um, and the ball pops out, the web ball. Yeah, it's just so much. I, um, I like the little frog jumping away. <laughs> bottom oh, panel. I didn't notice that. Yeah, <laughs> just just a little thing, you know. <laughs> and a crane or an errand or something, it's flying away. It's red in my book. Yeah. Um, yeah. But looking on. Uh page 10 up at the top when he's uh, looking over the pilot's shoulder. Do you recognize the person in the co-pilot seat? I can't think of the character's name, but isn't that Stanley's face? <laughs> you could well, say, yeah. I think you could say Yeah, that. I mean, that's, the co-pilot kind of looks like it could yeah, be, yeah. Could be. He's got that 70s stash. And the uh, art in that panel really looks like Brent Anderson to me. I mean, Especially on the the pilot, um, mm -hmm. Nina, you know, I mean, just like so. And uh, she looks a little bit like Jean DeWolf. Yeah, a little bit. 
Um, but yeah, it's good, good details in there. And um, yeah. And then when he gets into swamp, it's just even more because he, you know, he webs them up, which is, that's the kind of left out thing. He, he puts them all in a web ball. They survive, uh, as they get out of the plane. And then they think swamp, uh, man thing is dead, but his consciousness or essence or whatever, is just basically reform out of the, the goop, of the swamp, and the swamp. Yeah, he just becomes um, himself again. And apparently, in the end of his original run, he he was a captured at one point, and they some group experimented on him. And what it did was it kind of mutated him more, so that he didn't have to remain in the swamp. He became more of a self-contained ecosystem, so he could travel outside. That that basically let him go into the city or stuff like that, so he wouldn't have to hang around mm. the water and muck and stuff to kind of replenish himself. So, um, you know, and then Spidey basically just leaves the two people there. Says, "Oh well, you know, they're yeah, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna come get you. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna go after <laughs> uh, Man Thing or Manny as he calls him, uh, as he kind of starts lumbering and." And, and I didn't think about this, but maybe I wonder if Man Thing is drawn to this because they come across a like a cabin, like an old cabin in the woods, and that's where you see these two people tied to it. And I wonder if Man Thing is drawn to that. So I think the idea that they hit this tower with their plane is probably a good um, no prize. So that he's following him, and that's when they come across. Uh, and these are the two characters of, and I don't, I pronounced it. Dokim, I don't know if it's Doc Dokith. It looks like Dokim. Dokim, yeah. yeah. And his, um, it's like his protege. He's a he's some kind of a wizard, and she's his protege. And he sees him as kind of an old man and kind of a Daisy Duke type character tied <laughs> to this cabin, and that's when despair makes his grand entrance. Um, See how she's tied up around the neck. Mm -hmm. That, uh, I don't know, that seems inappropriate to me. It's, it, it, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's not suggestive, but it's, uh, I can't, it, it just, it really j jumped out at me because it's so dangerous. Uh, yeah. it, it, you know, it could, could strangle her if she well, struggles. I, but this is all fantasy, and I recognize that. Yeah, but I think what Byrne has done is because he's the way he's positioned him in the frame. If he didn't have her, he didn't show that rope around her neck. You couldn't tell that she was you tied up. She was tied up. Yeah, right. except by the dialogue. I mean, it says that the you know girl right. tied up on the front porch, um, and then despair comes in, and basically, you know, I, I kind of like his dialogue. It's very over the top. It's very uh, villainy. The um, way a comic book villain should be. Exactly. It sounds. It's almost doom-like the way he talks. What um, an entrance. Um, and then and, I, and, I, I, I think Spider-Man is a little, maybe a little out of character. What you were talking about, Kirk, because he, instead of being cautious, he immediately starts mm -hmm. mouthing off and says, "You know, I never run from a fight. I'm not going to go into right now." And he goes right into basically starts punching the guy. 
Except first we have to have a flashback. Right. You notice this? Anytime a character is introduced, there's a two or three panel flashback again and again. Yeah, it point. gets... Well, and I don't know if this is really a flashback or we we on page. Well, we get to see what Spider-Man is still seeing a cabin, but it's really this big, tall tower spire thing, mm-hmm. uh, and you can see that they are tied to post, and they are not. She's not tied around the neck in this one. In fact, she's standing up and just tied around her arms, uh, and she has looks like maybe some kind of manacles or something around her her hands Rips. maybe to keep her from yes. maybe something to keep her from casting a spell or something but uh, she's not wearing much no she's <laughs> kind of dressed like valkyrie she's got kind of a uh a metal bra and kind of a little little uh which looks little like it could be un- could be uncomfortable if you bend over Sonya. if you bend over too much trying to come up with yeah that's it yeah she may be wearing a little more than red sonya uh, <laughs> Yeah, with the cape and boots, definitely. Yeah. So, and maybe this lends this to at the end when Spider-Man wonders if it was actually a dream or not because he just charges straight in. And Man-Thing, I guess, is trying to caution him or pull him back. And he just, yeah. he just goes right in and starts starts punching on him and realizing that he can't, you know, it doesn't hurt him. And then, then Spare grabs him and... Uh, it looks like he's shocking him, but I think he's just, he's being just terrified. He says, you know, the scream comes from out of nowhere, torn from the very core of Spider-Man's being. Um, and he just seems to be, and that, the, and the man thing being empathic doesn't like, I don't think he likes strong emotions like anger. He certainly doesn't like fear. Yeah. He reacts to that. So this is hurting him, this this violent emotion coming out of Spider-Man. And that's when he starts, you know, he's going to, why he's coming behind Despair, I don't know, but he's going to, he seems to be one to attack Spider-Man, but he's he misses and he kind of whacks Despair across the back of the, back of the head. Um, yeah, I didn't understand this sequence. Why, if it was that they drew one thing and then they had to clarify and explain it, but something didn't seem to flow here. Yeah, um, why he's coming up? The, I think it's just to—it's really to get uh, despair to turn his attention on break contact. Right, break exactly. So he drops Spider-Man and calls him. I like even calls him a bug beast. Um, and I like how despair has has word balloons that all have this sort of red mm-hmm. jagged edge. It really sets them off, makes you feel like like it's an otherworldly voice that is yeah. Yeah. That it's, somehow it's, different. Yeah. It's yeah. uh it's modulated or it's 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 gonna sound ghostly. Not, ghostly, exactly. It's gonna sound different, unhuman. So um, before we go too far, I wanna back up a page to um to 16 because um first of all the the trope of never seen anyone react so <laughs> fast i'm like okay gotta have that in there somewhere but uh those two bottom images are just fantastic um i don't know if it's just me uh projecting but the look in 
man man thing's eyes really looks like he's reacting to something it's not just yes. two little globes yeah um, it's something about the way that it's drawn that it actually looks like there's like something going on i mean do you guys see that too or is it me no 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 mm. I, I i think burn does a good job of putting emotion uh, emotion in man thing and you would think he could have been easy for him to do like a reflection of Spider-Man in his big red eyes. But I think it's the tilt of the head, the hand, yeah. the, 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 the eyes themselves that they are very for being just too big. Red orbs. Yeah. It and is. the way they're shaded, it's just, mm -hmm. I mean, these two panels I think are probably the best for me in the whole book. Uh, yeah. Just and and I've always loved the sort of what what that coloring is to Spider-Man when they've done that. I mean that that's something I don't know who perfected or started it, but like I I can recall uh, when Neil Adams would do that in the uh, X-Men books uh, when um, Marvel Girl would use her powers or something, and it would just be kind of a pale shade like this. Uh, so I always thought that was this is cool, and it's just such a great image of despair inflicting his power on spider-man and uh it's just these two panels are just really great i just think it's really phenomenal work well even the the page the opposite page page 15 that spire has got so much detail you can see yeah <laughs> at the bottom you can see the two little characters and despair is just kind of a black silhouette but this mm -hmm. thing stretches up and it's got this really kind of stormy looking pink uh, um, sky, uh, sky. I can't, yeah. can't think of anything. And yeah. he's got uh, kind of weird. The panels are not straight lines; they are kind of jagged uh -huh. and kind of dreamlike. Um, to that spire should have some damage on it if the uh, plane hit it. It's true, but maybe it's a uh, maybe the magic on it is still strong. Because the two, yeah. <laughs> two, uh, the two good guys are still tied up. But yeah, like it's good stuff on those. On it those is. Pages. It's 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 super detailed. Um, I like the the way he's drawn the fire when uh, Man Thing kind of starts attacking um, Despair. He turns his powers on Man Thing, and it's an interesting flip that. Mm -hmm. Man thing himself is afraid, and anything that knows fear burns at the touch. So he's basically burning himself, um, and he's never they act like he's never felt fear before, you know. And he just becomes just they, they act like he's just ablaze, and his coloring's a little lighter too. And he just and he just starts to um, it's like he's going up like a like a what do they call him here? He says it's um, glows like a miniature st a star, flames eating him up from without and within, mm -hmm. uh, and he just staggers towards the swamp. Basically, kind of melts and despair. You can see him kind of laughing in the background. Then he turns his attention to uh, back to Spider-Man, who is just oh. cowering. 
Um, I, I, love, I love the look of despair on that final panel in page 17. Hands on the hips, yep. head tilts back. <laughs> Absolutely a yeah. villain a villain pose. Yep. What a That's evil <laughs> Do you think uh, that this is that that's uh, so when earlier in the book we meant uh, the circus guy or the, the security guard mentioned that Manthe came stumbling out of the swamps all burning like he'd been on um, napalm. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that that was an earlier um, interaction with despair or something else? I never thought I, about that, yeah, John, but that's a I good. Think it, I think it's a I good. I think it is because the, uh, when despair is taunting the, the wizard and what have you, he says, oh, the bog creature is back for another round. He tried to free you once. Now I see he's back again. So, yeah, I think you're right on, John. Yeah. So there is a missing story then that could be told um, if it was told in the right way, right? Yeah, it's a missing. <laughs> it's like a missing issue of Man Thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't pick up on that when I was reading this, and I read this about three times. I did not pick up that. He already says, "Bog base, you will never learn," meaning they've obviously had some history. So yeah. that's yeah. Ex would explain why he's drawn. He is drawn, drawn to this tower. Then. Yeah, that's why Spiron follows him because he's trying to, because these two characters do play a big part in his um, in his own book. So he's familiar with these two characters. Um, and then we get more flashback, you know, um, as to how he captured them. Again, this is more story that we could have seen. Um, and Dokim tries to. Um, He's an enchanter. Um, he says, on this plane of existence, I am counted a force of good and despair is his opposite, the embodiment of ultimate evil. So um, he captured the two and that's what he kind of basically uh, gives Spider-Man a pep talk. It's like, mm -hmm. you have to, um, that if, you know, if he can't be stopped, he's going to kill everyone. So Spider-Man basically... It um, yeah, he just needed to say that first. I came. I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lead with, yeah, lead with that. Don't bury the lead. Um, <laughs> and when Spider-Man tackles Despair from behind, in that panel, I, I guess it's on page twenty-two, and we see the two, uh, the wizard and the gal, still tied up on the, the the porch. There, something is written on the beam on the porch, right underneath them. Mm. Can you make out what that says? I can't read it. Um, uh, it looks like the first, uh, I've got an electronic and I've got it blown up as, uh, as much as I can. It looks like the first part is Gerber. Okay. Uh, and then, and then it looks like Buck Gerber George, was, maybe Gerber George. Was Try Gerber was here. No, it's not, it's not Gerber was here, but it's uh, it looks like Gerber maybe have, and then underneath looks like a TY. So it's it's kind of hard to tell. It's probably a, an end joke. Gerber was something. Thank you. Yeah, and then on the now that you mention it, and I have this expanded so much, the barrel has some writing on it as well, but it's yeah, just too blurry. That. Yeah. Make out what it says. I'm sure it would be clear if we could find the original pencils. Yeah. 
or get a, a little more cleaned up. If it's probably if this was presented in um, Marvel Tales, they may have done a recoloring of it. But yeah, and, uh, too bad that that gets kind of muddled when it, they shrunk it down because that would be it's there yeah. for some kind of fun, and it would be fun to be able yeah. to make it out clearer. Yeah, it's, it's our listeners happen to have the original copy go look for it it's the last panel on page 22 uh, again they're they're jumping up the numbering and this is at a time period where every page of original art is not numbered sequentially but they are numbering at the bottom of the pages where it falls in the book so we're the version i'm reading skips the ads and skips the letters pages so we have only the original art with whatever number it was printed with in the book. So it's yeah, page 22, even though we're, we don't have 22 pages of art here. Yeah, maybe somebody somebody has figured it out already, which would be cool. Well, I just looked it up on uh, oh. Wiki. It's not that page, but it does say on page 10, which you've already passed, I'm going to go back. It says, panel five, the words, Steve Gerber was here, is carved into one of the wood planks of the cabin. That's it. That's what we're looking at. Okay. It's it just it's might have been be. renumbered, I think, because the ads are not in it. So that's what it says. Right. Steve Gerber was yes. here. Hmm. Okay. Where did you find that? Uh, it's just on the wiki under trivia. Okay. And it says, uh, in addition, the the Jordan Circus truck on page four, panel three, bears the inscription uh, Merrick Company across its grill and tribute to Val Merrick, the, who drew many of these early issues. You're right. So, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Jardine Circus, Merrick Company. All right. That's cool. That's page six of the actual comic. Oh, yeah. The impression that the, uh, the ball pen was a much happier and more fun-loving place uh, when this book was produced. That There are little in-jokes and little little things added here and there. Well, that yeah, true. I don't. I bet you don't see this now at all. Um, and you know, I haven't read a modern comic in forever. But um, to your point, they don't do a lot of uh, do a lot of the um, kind of because I, probably a lot of these guys don't because there is no bullpen. But I don't think these guys. So many of them are, are kind of work for hire and work remotely. They may never meet each other. They may not. You know, there is no sense of uh, being a group and working for one company. So. Well, I, I've also heard that uh, the whole concept of the bullpen was a fiction that Stan Lee had, had positioned that, that, in fact, there was no bullpen. There was no central group where they all, all gathered. There were artists that would come into the city to deliver their pages and then get the next assignment and leave. But the whole concept of, oh, yeah, we sit around, we talk, uh, the initial yeah, it's probably not. pitch of that was was not accurate at all. It was all fantasy. He was trying to pitch to the kids that it was a club, and you can be part of it too. You know, join us, join in, be part of it, be be one with us. Send your dollar twenty five and a safety. Boom. Send us a letter so that we can all talk about it. We'll pass the letter around. We'll all read it. Uh, a real sense of community is what he was trying to build. Yeah. And that that worked. There was and it worked. there was I, a sense that <laughs> yeah, Marvel was a family, and you know that was all part of of 
whether whether you buy into the fact that Lee had very little uh, contribution to creating the Marvel universe, and he was more of a he grabbed up all the he grabbed up all of the uh, credit. He you you can't take away the fact that he was a uh, phenomenal promoter, and that I don't think Marvel would have been as successful. He wasn't out there promoting it, and and really creating a mythos around it. So, um, yeah. yeah. Is there anything else we got to cover on this book? We're close to the end, I think. Yeah, we're yeah, pretty close um, to the end. Yeah, the Spider-Man kind of goes all ragey on him and just starts pounding away on him and um, the spare tries a couple times to um, to zap him. I guess he's blasting this time. And then, he's, then he gets a pretty good fight you know, um, pretty good punch on Spider-Man and Spider-Man seems to be down. And then the sort of man thing comes back and he's like, okay, I'm just going to keep, um, he says, I grow aware of your farce beast. And he just keeps terrifying man thing. It's a man thing keeps burning and he keeps coming back and keeps coming back. And that's when Spider-Man kind of comes to and realizes he says that he's, he's giving his life for me and his friends and all I'm doing is watching. So he's, he, uh, he, you know, picks up a stick and kind of pole vaults into him and, and kick, gives him a good kick to the face. And I guess that kind of wears him down enough so that, Oh no, no, no. He just keeps, um, pounding on him and pounding on him, pounding on him to where I guess that, somehow breaks the spell so that um, Doc him and um, his protege, Jennifer. Jennifer, are free. And now suddenly they are appearing as they are in their normal clothing. And they stop him. For you know, lack of uh, it, thereof. Yeah, yeah. it's true. <laughs> um, well, it, it's a swamp. It's going to be hot, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm sure she's quite yeah, comfortable. Yeah, that's, that's how I dress when I'm in a swamp. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he basically says tells him enough you know it says or you'll be satisfied until you've taken the demon spawn's life and spider-man kind of realizes that he'd lost control and uh pulls back and sees that despair is just um laying on the ground i guess unconscious or um and then they uh they kind of combine their powers and link their powers and shatter the uh, the citadel or this tower, and that's when it just um, it's rains uh, down on them. Yeah, what's funny it says uh, we can reduce do him for a time, but while there is life itself, he will exist. And then with a sound like soft silver bells, peaceful yet more awesome than the loudest thunderclap, the tower shatters. I thought that was interesting that it's. It is a. It's not just a, a loud explosion. It's kind of a more of a mystical kind of a sound. As this thing, it does. It rains down all this stuff on. He shoots up uh, like a web umbrella to uh, that, protect. That's them. our dear Chris Claremont. Yep. <laughs> telling the story. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then they just. Uh, Fade away. They kind of fade away. Yeah. Yep. Um, See you later. <laughs> yeah. 
it's kind of an interesting way that they, they at the end where he says, "Well, the paths of fate are wondrous to behold, my friend. May have we three may meet again someday. Until that time, know that you have the eternal thanks." Yeah. And they don't finish it. Well, he <laughs> says, uh, "He says basically, Spider-Man says, Can you guys tell me what's been going on here?' You know, and he says, "Call it a dream if you more if you if you like more." More than that, I'm afraid I cannot say. So they are being super vague. On, on, yeah. yeah. And I guess they're going back to their dimension and taking despair with them. And they, I guess they're implying that they can kind of halt his his uh, reign for a while. But I guess while life exists, they'll always be evil. And then he will always exist. And that's when Spidey's sitting in the swamp and... It's I guess his memory is starting to fade um, to a point where he's not sure if did it happen or not. You know, did um, which is kind of a cool cool way to end it. You know, mm-hmm. and things just sitting there looking at him. Who I guess he's calm now that Spider Man's calm, and I guess Spidey's gonna have to walk back into the swamp to find the Nina and her co pilot. And oh no, he left them behind. The Gators got him. <laughs> well, they, they implied that they were going to have somebody who was going to, they'd already sent out like a distress signal or something and somebody was going to pick them up. Or If not, it's a long walk out of the uh, out of the Everglades for Spidey. Who has the next issue? How does the next issue start? Are we still in the swamp? No, it's... New York City. No, it's... it's we're uh, back. It's back Havoc. Week. Sorry, John. I, I'm saying no, it's it's Havoc, uh, which, uh, and the start of the... Um, uh, living Pharaoh story arc for two issues, which is my favorite Marvel team up story, but you guys have already covered it. We covered that with back to the bends. It's um, starts out with him and havoc and then it leads into Thor. Yeah. So it's Spidey havoc and then Spidey Thor. And that, um, that was a crossover uh, set of episodes, wasn't it? Then into um, third degree burn do one episode and uh, back to the bends uh, did the other back to the bends did the other one yeah. or hosted the other one. With, yeah. With they, everyone on it. Yeah, they yeah basically they came on our show, and then we went on their show. So yeah, yeah, that we've done was that fun. a couple times. Yeah, we've done that a couple times with the back to the Benz guys. Yeah, that um, was a lot of fun. I it is a lot of fun. Yeah, I remember yeah. listening to that. That was that was a cool crossover. You yeah. know. <laughs> so, um, what'd you guys uh, think? I, I I don't I don't I've got this issue, but I don't think I think this is probably the first time I've read it. And. It was well, a, at the it was last scene there, you know what's missing is a gramophone and that thing <laughs> um, pressing a French press of coffee for yeah. poor Spidey here, you know. That's true. <laughs> that is true. It looks very much like that last scene of the werewolf by night. <laughs> very well, cool. I, I, my general feeling of this is that it's tying up loose threads and loose ends from... Uh, uh, from from the original Man Thing run, that there was like there, how many issues was the first run? Did you say it was eleven? Twenty two. Okay, twenty two. So I have my impression is that they published twenty two, and that there was a script for twenty three, and it never got published and never got uh, acted on, and therefore there was a sense in the bullpen that they had to finish things up and tie things up, and so. Those sorts of loose threads would always lead into Marvel Two and One or Marvel Team Up, and that's my impression that that's what this this issue is. 
it's a tying up of the man thing. I don't know, arc storyline. I haven't read it. I don't know, but it's just there's so many flashbacks or um, references. Flashbacks, but yeah, references in terms of two panels. Every time a character gets introduced, there's a two panel flashback, and then we dispose of that character, and then yeah. he moves on, and there's another two panel flashback, and then he disposes of that character. I would love uh, to ask Claremont because you bring up a good point, um, Kirk. Is was this his idea, or was he given this story, or was he given the mandate of we need to bring Man Thing back and kind of revisit him? Um, because to my knowledge, I don't think Byrne or Claremont ever had anything to do with the original run, so it wasn't like it was a character that Claremont would have worked on. You know, they both like to bring characters back that they've dealt with. So if you know. If anybody knows, whoever's listening to this, if you know the story behind how this uh, st- this issue got produced or was what's the genesis of this story, I'd love to know. Yeah, and you know the the next the volume two of Man Thing came out just a year and a half later. So was that already kind of in the in the thought process? And so this was maybe trying to bring him back onto the uh, the forefront of readers minds after kind a couple of testing of years the waters break. yeah you know just Good trying day. to see hey uh and if they could kind of uh and wyacek uh was the cover artist for man thing one volume two uh because i'm looking at the cover here so uh, and he was the inker on this issue so maybe this sparked something or maybe he was working on something with marvel to bring it back so could be uh, Interesting things how all that work. Yeah. <laughs> it's um it's like a backdoor pilot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A trial balloon being floated to see how people would react. Yeah. But you know, it definitely uh, seems like there was some story already at least scripted or thought up or something. Yeah. This 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 seems like more than just a uh, a random Marvel two uh, team up. It seems like there was already something there that they wanted to just try to work into uh, the story and bring it up. So that that would be interesting to hear if someone knows. Yeah. It could be all the, the flashbacks without Peter in them. The flashbacks of the Man-Thing burning, the circus um, yep. guy running into him and capturing him. That could all have been another story that, you know, maybe after Gerber left, they thought, well, well, next artist or the next writer will come in and carry on, or um, it never made it. So I think it, I think it is. I think this is some unfinished story, and trying to reintroduce Man Thing so that you know if, if this is a successful issue, then maybe we can relaunch him again. Obviously, he didn't come back very long. No, <laughs> <laughs> but. No. It's kind of odd. I'm I'm reading this online, and I have flipped back to the splash page, and uh, oh, I guess I'm kind of zoomed in. Anyway, uh, just you were talking about earlier on the cover how the Spider-Man costume, red and blue and black, just kind of pops uh, over top of the browns and the greens and the the background of the jungle. On this splash page, as I've been talking to you, it's like I my eyes are like playing tricks on me because it's it looks like it's in 3D. That Spidey is in in up front on a floating panel, and that the dark 
greens and, and everything else is behind them. It's like a real odd 3D effect. I think it's, it's the blue and the red. To go to bed. I don't the know. Two. This is like bizarre. Yeah. But that's a that's a beautiful splash page. That would make it really it, is. Um, yeah. Because he is, it does look he's coming at you. And it does look like it's like you got the cover and then you turn it over and it's just like two seconds later. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, isn't there some guy or some artist out there that's done that like covers like two minutes later or something or two minutes before, which are always fun. And so this is definitely one of those. Well, that's what I miss about modern comics. It used to be the cover was usually some scene that was inside the, uh, it was either continued completely in the flash page or it was, it was a scene you were going to see somewhere in. And now right. I guess for, for, for the sake of time, they just, just draw me a, a cover with Spider-Man on it. We'll put it on there. It doesn't have to have anything to do with the story. <laughs> just have Spider-Man on it because it's, uh, yeah. it's his book. So. Well, Vern did the cover, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So he certainly would have known. Yep. Okay. Pretty cool. Yeah, it was, I like this story. It was. Uh, I did too. It was fun. It was a little dark. It was a little spooky. You know, for seventies um, comics level. Mm -hmm. Brought back. Uh, brought back Spider Man. It, it. You know, it's it's not the, the. The we talked about this. I think about team up before that. Sometimes the his teams teaming up doesn't seem to be happened very organically. It's usually a handoff. Here's his story. I'm with this hero, and I'm doing this thing, and then I get handed off to another hero in the next one. Sometimes right. it works. Sometimes it doesn't happen very organically. It seems like well, we have to have a different character here. Doesn't um, this begin a, a run of a two part uh, living monolith uh, story that then mm -hmm. leads into Yellow Jacket and Wasp and the Super Scroll and uh, spoilers for forty-year-old comic books, but it doesn't, isn't this a run of burned stories for the next I don't know six, ten issues? It's a run of Claremont stories because he was the writer and author, and I think that uh, having a consistent author on the book. I mean, when did he start with Captain Britain, maybe? and took it through the Daughters of the Dragon, so probably maybe 10 to a dozen issues. Yeah. Um, and, and then you were... could do that, Kirk, like you were saying. Yeah, it just kind of like, then it was, then we had that organic kind of yeah. going on from one thing to another. And Burn, well, yeah, was it was Claremont yeah. Burn, so good stuff. Yeah, so yeah. Are those it was... things all collected in one masterworks? Is there a volume that collects those? There's those an stories? essential, there's an essential for Marvel Team-Up uh, and it's probably a masterworks. I don't think there's, I don't know if there's an omnibus or not. There, but there is a um, Marvel team up collection that has all of the Claremont burn uh, stories in it. Story in it. Oh, there and go. it's like an epic Kirk. So it's just those stories. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't see it listed on Mike's, uh, which is, so maybe this issue isn't in there for some reason. Um, Maybe they couldn't get the right rights or something. Um, but um, I did get that Claremont Byrne Marvel team-up book just to because I had all the stories in the essential, but I wanted them in color because it was Byrne's art. <laughs> I yeah. wanted it in color. Yeah. So, I think there are some um, of these in the uh, the 
The Marvel Universe by Byrne. Some of these team-ups are in that book. <clears throat> I've got it, but I don't remember. Uh, Let me see. I have that right here. Yeah. I've got it, but it's packed away somewhere. Yeah. It is not in the Marvel Universe by Byrne I have. Oh. I think no. that was a gift from David. Yeah, that was. And that one doesn't have those stories in here. Hey, David, if you're listening, uh, do a little research. Find out if there's a, uh, what do you call it? A, not an essential. What do you call that? The uh, color is epic. Is there an epic for uh, Marvel team up with uh, the Burn Claremont book? Is it around? Can that be ordered? He's our expert in terms of what's available and how to how to procure it. So. Well, that the the Claremont Burn team kind of ends after the next two issues, and it, they he's off for a while, and some other creative team comes on, then Burn comes back in issue seventy five without Claremont, and I think that run kind of ends there. Claremont comes back, but I don't think they team up really again. Yeah, he's on it with Howard Chaykin for a while. But we've, carried a, okay. we've covered a big chunk of the Marvel, the Bird Marvel team-ups. We've covered a lot of them. Well, I think we've done a good job of covering this. I think it's, I would recommend reading it if you're a Burn fan, if you're a Spidey fan. Certainly, if you're a Man Thing fan, uh, yeah. or if you just like, if you just like, good old fashioned Bronze Age comics, then this mm -hmm. is a good. This is a good. It's it's dense, so it's just not going to take you five minutes to read. Uh, the artwork is, um, it's not peak burn, but it's pretty amazing. It's his layouts are good. The coloring is good. Um, the the design of Despair is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a it's a good read. I do too. I agree. Uh, just a fun story, you know. Yeah. Uh, I was a little confused at first, but then I just kind of stuck with it. And uh, the, thankfully, to those flashbacks that Kirk's mentioned very often, those two panel follow ups, it made sense to me. <laughs> yeah, you have to read it like probably one more than once to kind of get the whole story. What's yeah. Going on. Yeah. But. All right. All right. Well, uh, if I want to thank everybody for staying with us this long and listening. I hope you enjoyed us, uh, our little Halloween show we're doing. If you want to get a hold of us, you can write us at gottagetburned at gmail.com or drop us a message on Facebook. That's where we'll probably get our most of our feedback from. We post there quite a bit. That's where you'll find the new shows. Um, uh, and Brian's always asking for um, iTunes um, ratings. Apple comments, podcast. Apple podcast. Um, <laughs> if you know, if you're new to us and you like what we're doing, then you know, give us a give us a four or five star review. And um, if they give us a five star, they get to pick a book we'll cover. Absolutely, that is still going on. Um, so five Kirk stars. You trade, to pick pick a you pick a story. Yep, Kirk. That trade is called Spider Man Marvel Team Up by Claremont and Byrne. It is um, not in print. Uh, but you can get it on Kindle and Comixology. Oh, there you go. If you just want to read it, you don't actually need to own it. Yeah. I mean, you could buy it back issue, but it's like 42 bucks or higher. So mm -hmm. yeah. you might be able to get a used oh, one for I that. Santa. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Kirk. Happy Halloween, I wanna, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Kirk, I want to thank you for staying up late. 
Um, I know you just got off work, so you're probably tired and want to get to bed, but thank you for staying up and spending some time with John and I. It's always a pleasure having you and John on the, on the, um, on the show. Talk about some, as the quote, back to the bend, some good old-fashioned comic book goodness. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, yeah. and everybody have a, a happy, safe Halloween, no matter however you celebrate that. Um, and look forward to whatever we've got coming next. We play it by ear, so we don't know what we've yeah. got. But uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll come up with something, and we'll probably have a, some kind of a Christmas show coming up. So... Well, for Third Degree Burn, I am Tim Elliott. I'm John Hyatt. And I'm Kirk Greenfield. All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I thought for sure you'd have a screaming goat. <laughs> it's here that decades ago, a legend was born. The legend of a huge, hairy, man-like creature. Is it man or is it myth? No one really knows. You can take my word for it, there ain't no monsters around here. Hey, boy, where do you think you're gonna find that monster? Gonna find him in the swamp if it exists. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.